You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Fenizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. Our responsibility in this occupation and we need to understand that God isn't just going to waste you know pouring out his power upon a group of people that aren't willing to use it for his glory we have a responsibility in this occupation you say what's that what's involved here well spiritual exercises you know basically the ABC's of Christianity feeding the inner man with the word Once you've accepted Christ, you don't arrive as a Christian. You'll need to put in the time to develop long-lasting habits. As Pastor Mike presents in today's study, you have spiritual exercises that need to be completed. You must feed yourself with the Word of the Lord and spend time in prayer to receive the power of the Holy Spirit. If you don't exercise these muscles, your faith will become weak and could fail. Don't be afraid to do the hard work. The results will be worth the work. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of Ephesians chapter 3 as he continues his message, I bow my knee. Not be troubled, I remember what you said, you return that I might live in my works in the inner man, the inner woman. Let me give you a cross-reference for this. In 2 Corinthians, in chapter 4 and verse 16, it says, but though our outward man is perishing, and that's a reference to the aging process, our bodies breaking down, yet he goes on, the inward man, that is the real me, the real you, is being renewed day by day. And gang, it is this inner power that makes it happen. So, what does it mean then to have the Holy Spirit empower the inner man? We talk a lot about that, but what does that mean? What does it look like? Well, it means that our spiritual faculties are controlled by God, and we are exercising them. We're living to the glory of God. Each day we are growing more and more in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. You see, that's the outcome. That's the outcome of getting hold of this power. Okay, so what's involved here? Now, God is looking to do that, but he just doesn't do it for our just asking him to do it. There's our responsibility in this occupation, and we need to understand that. God isn't just going to waste, you know, pouring out his power upon a group of people that aren't willing to use it for his glory. We have a responsibility in this occupation. You say, what's that? What's involved here? Well, spiritual exercises. 
you know, basically the ABCs of Christianity, feeding the inner man with the word. Now, you're doing that so you're on the right track, okay? So you can expect to receive that power from the Lord, right? You're feeding yourself with the scriptures. You're feeding the inner man, the inner woman. Prayer is another way, is another spiritual exercise. It's through prayer that you receive that power. You know, how many times have you been in a situation where unexpectedly you're tempted to do something ungodly? And uh, just out of the blue, you know, an opportunity arises. And man, your body is screaming for satisfaction. You know, and I'm not going to lie to you. The Bible tells us that there's pleasure in sin for a season. There is, right? And listen, we're subject to weaknesses. The best of saints, even in the Bible, Abraham, David, were all subject to their own fleshly weaknesses, right? Okay, so here's an opportunity that presents itself, some kind of a temptation. The devil is really good at knowing you know, how to go about doing that, shooting some of those fiery darts our ways, replicating a situation right, where we're going to be tested and we're going to be proved. You know, and most Christians just, at that point, run headlong towards that opportunity and occasion to sin and temptation, rather than just taking a moment to be still and just pray. And then that thing that, you know, caused your flesh to just be screaming and yearning and, oh, I want to find, I know that that's going to bring fulfillment. All of a sudden, it just changes your entire perspective. If you would have just taken the time out and prayed. And again, it doesn't have to be one of those long prayers. It could be just, Lord, help me out here. Because the next step that I take going forward, I'm going to run headlong into that temptation and sin. So it's in prayer where we get hold of that power of God. Listen, there's no reason for us to offer up any excuse why we've fallen into sin, you know, if we're in the Word and we're in prayer. But then also, worship. Worship. You know, surround yourself with songs of worship. And man, you know, we have all of these things available to us now. Your iPhones, man, just, you know, uh, download some music or go to iTunes or whatever, your favorite Christian bands, or listen to the radio as you're driving. We got 95.5 and and K-Wave now, and, and uh, we got the bridge, and, and uh, we got 99.1, and we got all kinds of different opportunities, you know, to be encouraged. Let's turn on your favorite Bible teacher. Know when they're coming on during the, during the day. Turn them on. Listen to your radio. You can get all of these stations on your, on your computer, on your iPhones, or whatever. You know, surround yourself with, with spiritual songs, and they have a way of strengthening us, reminding us of of our relationship with God and God's love for us. It, it, it becomes a means of being strengthened, right? Keeping clean, keeping yourself clean. Exercising your, the senses by loving obedience, all of which enables us to be strengthened in the inner man, the inner woman. There's no reason for us you know, to fall into temptation and sin, right? God has given us ample resources for us not to fall into temptation and sin to sin. Now, the second petition here, notice Paul prays for death. Verse 17. The first one was what? Power. The second petition is for death. Verse 17. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. This has to do with death. And Paul uses three pictures here to convey 
the idea of spiritual death. He wants us to go on. He wants us to dig in. And the three pitches are hidden in three verbs there in verse 17. What are they? Dwell, rooted, and grounded. And if you're taking notes, you might want to write that down. Or just if you, you, know, if you have a marker or something, just underline those three words in your Bibles in verse 17. Let's break down those three verbs for you and what they uh, suggest. The first word, dwell, can literally be translated to settle down and feel at home. Now certainly Jesus was already residing in the hearts of the Ephesians, even as he is residing in your hearts, or else Paul would not have addressed them as saints in chapter 1 in verse 1. Notice in his introductory verse, it says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and the faithful in Christ Jesus. So Christ was already residing in the hearts of these Ephesian believers. So therefore, what Paul is praying for was a deeper experience between Christ and his people. And listen, let me tell you something. There's always room for a deeper experience. I don't care where you are. Whether you're a brand new Christian, where you've just given your life to Christ over the holidays, or you've been walking with the Lord for 40-something years, it doesn't matter. There's always room for improvement. None of us are, you know, got this wired. None of us have arrived. You've heard me say this before. All of us may as well have a sign hung around our neck under construction. We're all under construction. None of us have arrived. The brand new Christian or the senior pastor of the church. It's a part of a process, right? So Paul is praying for here is a deeper experience between Christ and his people. He yearns for Jesus to settle down and feel at home in their hearts. And we're not talking about some kind of a surface relationship, but an ever-deepening fellowship. We're talking about hanging out, best buddies kind of an experience. And that's the kind of, you know, that's the kind of relationship that God wants to have with you. I'll give you an example of this. Think about Abraham. Abraham's life is an illustration of this truth. They were best buddies. Think about this. It's recorded for us in the book of Genesis in chapter 18. God was going to bless Abraham and Sarah with a son. So the Lord himself came down and visited Abraham's tent. Sometime during the week, read the text of Scripture, the chapter, Genesis chapter 18. And Jesus, I believe it was Jesus, is a theophanies, an appearance of Christ in the Old Testament. He brings along with them two angels, and they talked together, they ate a meal together, and they felt right at home. Why? Because Abraham was a man of faith and obedience. And in fact, in the book of James, in chapter 2, and verse 23, the Bible says of Abraham, because of his faith in God, he has been considered a friend of God. What a beautiful way to be described. There it is right there. And the scripture was fulfilled which says, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. What a beautiful way to be defined and described, right? And this isn't, you know, his estimation of himself. This isn't Abraham bragging on himself. This was God's estimation. He's one of my friends. Can God count you as one of his friends? Well, I'm, I'm pretty sure of it, you know? Well, that's the kind of experience that God wants to have 
with each and every one of us. Hanging out, best buddies kind of an experience. Oh, that God would be that at home with us and we with him. Buddies, right? Buddies. I've used this example and this illustration before. There was this fellow when we first began the ministry. My wife and I, when we first got here, when Pastor Greg sent us here, and we just began the ministry, you know, things were happening and, and people were coming and they were listening to the radio broadcast and, and that drew many people here uh, in the beginnings and stuff of the, of the ministry. And there was this one fellow, his name was Mike. He was a single guy and uh, my wife and I took him under our wing and he became very close to us. He was sort of like a spiritual son. He was sort of like my Timothy kind of a guy. And uh, he did a lot of things for the church to, to advance the ministry. It was a real blessing to us. He was really, truly like one of our kids. You know, so, and he lived in New Jersey where we lived. Uh, he had no reservations whatsoever. You know, when he came to my home, he wouldn't ring the bell or knock on the door. He would just open the door, walk right into my house, go right into the kitchen, open the refrigerator, and take whatever he wanted out of it, and then he'd just go back into the living room and sit down with a, with a bottle of soda or, or whatever. And, uh, you know, he felt like he had that kind of freedom and that kind of a relationship with us. That was a good thing. Let me ask you this question. What if you're in your own home using the same sort of a picture and the same kind of an illustration, and you were in your own home, and all of a sudden there was a knock on your door, and you got up from your living room couch, and you went to the door, and you looked through your peephole. Many of us have peepholes here in New York City, right? And you looked through the peephole, and guess who it was? It was Jesus. Would you open the door immediately? Or would you say, wait a second, Lord, I... I you know, I, I, I'm not fully dressed. I, I'll, I'll be right back. And then you go back into the living room and you get rid of all of those books that you've been reading that you wouldn't want the Lord to know that you've been reading. Or you'd have to shut, up your, or shut off your TV program that you've been watching that you, you wouldn't want the Lord to know that you've been watching. Or whatever you fill in the blank. You know, maybe some of you would have to flush some of your uh, pabanya down the, the toilet or whatever. Right? I don't know, whatever. I'm not saying, not any of you, I'm just general. Okay? You know, how would we respond? We would say, Lord, come on in and open the door. You know, would we really immediately open and, you know, to have that kind of a relationship with the Lord? I hope so. That he would feel right at home with us? Or would you be embarrassed if the Lord showed up on our doorstep? Think about that, right? Oh, that God would be that at home with us, and we with him. That we would offer him full entrance at any time, no matter what was going on within our lives. But then notice, the second verb under this heading, depth, is the word rooted. Let's go back to our text. Do you see that there? The word rooted. Now, this word rooted is an agricultural term, and then it moves us into the plant world. And the idea here is the plant must get its roots deep into the soil if it is to have both nourishment and stability. And in the same way, the Christian must have his spiritual roots deep into the love of God. Let me give you a couple of cross-references for this. In the book of Psalms, the introductory Psalm, Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3. Blessed, or oh how happy, is the man. This is the same idea, the same picture. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, the word, 
and his law, he meditates upon it day and night. He reads it. He goes over it over and over. He, he looks for the personal applications of how to put that into practice in practical ways. In verse 3, and here's the, the agricultural illustration here in verse 3. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, the roots going down, you know, into the soil, drawing out from it nourishment, refreshment, water, all of the things that are necessary for the plant to survive and to grow and to flourish and to be prosperous, that bringeth forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he does shall prosper. Let me give you another cross-reference from the Old Testament, the book of Jeremiah. Same picture, Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 7 and 8. Blessed is the man, oh how happy, who trusts in the Lord, and whose hope is in the Lord, for he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river, and will not fear when he comes. But its leaf will be green, and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from its yielding of fruit. Listen, gang, one of the most important questions we can ask ourselves is, from where do we draw our nourishment and our stability? And listen, if there is to be power in the Christian life, then there must be depth. The roots must go deeper and deeper into the love of Christ. And then the final verb that we want to consider before we wrap up is the word grounded. Notice also there, verse 17. The final verb is grounded. Now, even as rooted was an agricultural term, the word grounded is an architectural term. And it refers to the foundations on which we build. I mean, think about it. If you want to build a high-rise, which, you know, all you got to do is look out, you know, just look out the window here, right? They're going up all around us every day. If you want to build a high-rise, you have to dig out a deep foundation. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever walked past a construction site here in the city? I know you have. It's enclosed on all four sides, and its walls have these peepholes, and you can't help yourself. You've got to look through those peepholes, right? And as you look through them, you see this crater of a hole dug out by the use of all of the heavy machinery around that crater to lay there the foundation for the building. Then they put the footings. They pour the concrete, the beams, right? all of which are necessary for the building of that high-rise. So the point is here, right? Think about it now. Having the right kind of foundation fortifies the building against disaster and devastation. And so it is in our Christian experience. You know, this is probably one of the most famous earthquakes that ever took place was the earthquake that took place in 1906, the San Francisco earthquake. The reason why it was so widespread and damaging and so devastating to the people, I don't know if you knew this or not, was because the city was actually built upon landfill. I don't know if you knew that or not. And that's the reason why when the earthquake struck, there was no firm foundation in which those buildings were built upon. In Matthew's Gospel, in chapter 7, and, and Jesus gives us an idea of the importance of having the right foundation, in Matthew chapter 7, in verses 24 through 27, it's, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine 
And those sayings of mine are, are the scripture. So even the things that you're being exhorted of this morning and taught of this morning, the sayings of Christ, all of the scriptures from the book of Genesis to the book of Revelation, and does them, you're not only hearing the word of God, but you're going to be doers of the word. You know, so many people, here are two people, they sit them side by side. One person is soaking up the message like a sponge, and the other person is just going right over their head. They're thinking about the playoff games, you know, after the service. So they're just anticipating what they're going to do when they get out of this building. We're going to go to brunch. We're going to have some fun. I got to do this, that, or the other thing, or whatever. So here's one person soaking up the message like a sponge, you know, really interested in what's going on, making a commitment to applying what they've learned in practical ways in their life, and the other person is just kind of like twiddling their thumbs, thinking about brunch or the Eagles game later on, and it's just going whoosh, whoosh, right over their heads. They walk out. I play this game with all my kids. Four of my children attend our church. I'll always say to them, and they get really upset when I ask them this question, I always say to them when I see them the following day, I say, so what do you think of the message? And they'll say, oh, yeah, it was really a good message. I said, what did I speak on? And, uh, and they get really upset. Usually they'll say, well, I, I think you were talking about God. Weren't you talking about God? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No, they usually get it right. But that's the way that we need to receive of the Lord and God's word, right? We need to let it penetrate us and bear fruit within our lives. So anyway, let's go back to this thing. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who builds his house on the rock. The rock is Jesus. He's our foundation. Verse 25. The floods came, and this is an analogy of life's struggles and problems, and you know, which are, they show up on our doorstep just about every day, right? Just because we're Christians, we're not exempt from trouble. But God uses those things to temper us and, and prove us and test us and, and take off the rough edges and mold us and shape us into his image, right? And strengthen us in our faith in him. And the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew, beat on that house, and it did not fall. Why? Because it was founded on the rock. It had a firm foundation. But then, in contrast, everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. Shifting sand. San Francisco. Landfill, gang. And the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew, and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. So Jesus speaks of the importance of having the right foundation. And so Paul prayed that the believers might have a deeper experience with Christ because he knew only a deep experience could sustain them during the severe trials of life. In my Father's house There's a place for me In my Father's house Where I long We're so glad you joined us today on In My Father's House for our continuing verse-by-verse study through the book of Ephesians. If you'd like to hear more messages from Pastor Mike, please visit our website at harvestnyc.org. You can also listen online by going to the Resources tab, or you can find them on One Place and search for Harvest Christian Fellowship or Pastor Mike Fenizio. 
Viewing our recent services in their entirety can be an option as well through Vimeo. Just follow the link at our website. Again, that's harvestnyc.org. We also invite you to subscribe to our podcast. Just search your favorite platform for In My Father's House. If you're ever in or near the Midtown Manhattan area and are looking for a church home, come visit us here at Harvest Christian Fellowship. We meet every week for worship, Bible study, and fellowship. It's easy to get here, and you can reserve your seat at our website. If you can't make it in person, that's okay. Join us on the live stream to participate in our services virtually. Just follow the link at harvestnyc.org. If you happen to have any questions for us, don't hesitate to give us a call at 212-247-1877. That number again is 212-247-1877. Or connect with us on Facebook and Instagram by following the links on our website. Again, that's harvestnyc.org. We're so glad you took the time to listen in today, and we hope you'll join us again next time on In My Father's House.